What's going on, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Maggio, as always, joined by my co-host, Sean Geddes and my Cortez. What's going on, gentlemen? Yeah. What's up, man? Been a little while. A very hectic month and a half for the three of us and our uh, ever-evolving, not-fun schedules that we have been trying to do this for. But we are back, and we're going to give you a nice loaded podcast we got a lot of stuff we wanted to talk about uh, a lot of stuff we don't necessarily agree on even which is good because normally we all three here we like to agree on shit a lot of the time but we got some we got differing opinions on a couple different things here so it's gonna be a good one for you but i mean let's just recap here the next season is now over right we're on april 24th we're recording this 11 in the morning Next season's over. First round of the playoffs is underway in the NBA. A lot of fun things happening. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell versus, you know, the the Dallas Mavericks. You know, Jalen Brunson has been going off. That's been a good series. Um, I mean, Celtics-Nets has been pretty good, except, you know, the Nets can't win a game is the only thing there. But, you know, we were watching, like, the fucking the, the Jason Tatum full-on coming out party. He's sunning these guys on both ends of the floor. So there's that. But, um, you know. I just, it's been nice to kind of unwind a little bit these last couple of weeks. I mean, this was a real, the last three months of the season to me felt like very sad sack. Like we all kind of knew where it was going. We were all rooting for RJ Barrett, the number one option. And we just wanted to see if we could actually make the play in or not. We did not make the play in. Uh, we did not make the playoffs. So, you know, now it's finally time to actually, you know, breathe a little bit, breathe a little bit. We're watching other head coaching rumors pop up guys going coming you know tom Thibodeau happens to be safe uh, according to leon rose so there's that you know so we, we get to miss out on all the fun of the coaching carousel this season but i mean i, I did want to kind of start off with this pod in particular just doing a little season in review nothing wild i mean a couple of our, our favorite moments worst moments and then you know we could just grade some of the players out nothing too too crazy but Close the season out. Obi had, you know, the the forty piece masterclass. You know, made it quickly. Had a triple double. It is silly season in the NBA when you get to March and April, but you know those things still do count. They are big games, explosive games, and they do count for something, even if it's at the end. Um, so, in a in a season where I feel like so many guys were were so up and down at, at different times, I feel like it's going to be difficult a little bit to kind of grade some of these guys, but. I think there's been enough, especially with the young group, where you know we we got our full examination of what they were able to do, what they were able to contribute. Uh, some guys like Deuce, you know, of course, didn't see enough of the floor, but for everybody else, I, I think generally speaking, we we got a pretty good grasp. Grasp. So, let's just start with, in general, we knew what the off season last year was. We knew, you know, what the season this year looked like. Let's start with the top, right? The front office. We knew who they brought in, you know, or brought back. So let's just start there and some of the grades after a full season now, first full season of uh, of that plan. So we know uh, Burks resigned for three years, 30 mil, right? Nerlens Noel resigned for three years. About the same, right? If I'm not mistaken. Okay. And then Derrick Rose was what, 345? Fournier was 
478, but then I think it's, you know, 354 if you don't include the team option. And, you know, I think there's some incentives that lowered it from 78 very slightly, uh, kind of closer to 75 ish. But uh, my grade for the front office and before I lob it up is just consider, you know, what do we have? The Cam Reddish trade this year and then we didn't have anything else, right? Just a couple of the little minor moves. I, I mean, I give like a, like a C, C plus. I don't, I'm not trying to be like low for the sake of being low, but I feel like C, C plus is kind of right in the middle. Like if this is kind of very, to me, obvious, you didn't, the moves didn't make progress. We didn't necessarily take a massive step back. Uh, as we know, um, trying to build something isn't always linear in the NBA, but um, I, I give them a C because I just didn't, I, I didn't see the vision, you know, Noel got hurt. Burks played, Sean, what was the session? Burks played like top five minutes in the NBA. In the month of March, Alec Burks had more minutes than almost everybody in the MVP race. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I just, I can't believe that. I've never seen the Knicks, you know, Knicks fans, as much as we argue about some of the stupidest shit sometimes and we go back and forth, I've never seen us as united as everybody was in the Alec Burks conversation where everyone was just like, we have no problems with Alec Burks, man. We actually like Alec Burks. Can you stop playing him 40 minutes a game, bro? Can you just make him play 25 minutes a night off the bench? We are begging. Everybody was like, we love him in that role. Can you put him back? And Tibbs was like, no, actually going to play him more minutes you guys you guys thought i wasn't playing him enough we'll just wait till march and then he played him as many as many minutes as possible it doesn't make sense to me it was coach's son syndrome that's all it was like i don't hate you i just hate that your dad plays you so much that's all <laughs> that's that's exactly how i felt so i i don't know i mean so front office wise like i understood trying to recapture some of the magic from last season when they were scrappy good defensive team they thought maybe they'd be good enough to make the playoffs again it was not but um, yeah, I just get, you know, the, the 48 thing too, like we, we ragged on 48, 48 all through probably like January. And then January started to turn it around February. He was real good. And we just weren't winning games. And, you know, he, he closed the season out better offensively. Uh, I see some people trying to say that he was getting, he's playing better defensively. I don't agree. I think he tried a little bit harder, a little bit, but he, that, that doesn't mean he was like suddenly a better defender. So I, I think let's not con conflate effort with results. He, he was trying because he knew the microscope was super on him and it still really didn't help us all that much. You know, we weren't that good of a team. So it, the, the 48 thing I think was a big whiff. Um, he was better salvageable on the offensive end, but a whiff Burks was overextended. Noel I don't even know if he's on the roster anymore. You know, so you, you didn't even see him every time he got hurt. You didn't even see or hear about Nerlens the well for like a month. And then he'd reappear suddenly be available. Then he was unavailable again the next day. Um, so, I mean, I, the, the Cam Reddish trade, they make the Cam Reddish trade, whether you were in or out on him, you, you expected him to play. Didn't really play until Tibbs was in dire straits, right? Same thing. It was like the, the grime situation again. So, I mean, I just give him a, a C because I don't, I don't know it just seemed like that the plan wasn't great. They didn't get good luck, but you know, like Rose went down for most of the year too. And then on top of that, like the, your big money acquisition really wasn't acting like a big money acquisition this year. So I, for me, it's hard to give you a, a better grade than that. May, you know, a lot of that, I know there's some Tibbs issues with this too. We'll get to Tibbs next, but of course, but I, I give Leon Rose the front office a C. I think now it's proven time coming up next season. 
Yeah, me personally, uh, and I'm. it's funny because I'm a guy who, like, you know, I advocate for the front office a lot just because I feel like people overreact to a lot. Like, yesterday I saw somebody complaining about a Luca Vildoza touch pass in garbage time and saying, oh, Leon, you let him go. And I was like, all right, bro, what are we doing? So I do, like, get in the way of a lot of their bullets, but I'm going to give them a C-. minus. Um, I think that, I mean, the draft is important. They drafted well, but we didn't even really get to, you know, see the, like, we didn't get the benefits of how they drafted. Like, and a lot of people often looking at like, Oh, like, you know, these guys are rookies. You don't know. But then in that game that the Pelicans won against the number one team in the NBA in the playoffs on, I, I believe it was a road game. They had 31 points on 11 of 17 shooting from three rookies. One who was drafted late first round, one who was drafted second round, one who was undrafted, put people on the floor. Um, so the guys weren't put in position to succeed. Uh, it was a good draft, but, you know, it, free agency didn't go well at all. Um, every single thing that we did didn't end up well as far as this season goes. Um, Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel, their contracts aren't like crippling. They both got three-year deals with a third-year option. So they're both expiring contracts now. But as far as how you spent that money to help the team this year, it didn't go well. Um, Derrick Rose, three years, 42, 45, whatever it was. I'm not mad at that. He got hurt. It happens. Um, Kemba, it was a you know low-risk, high-reward type move and it didn't work out, that's fine. Evan Fournier, I mean, they, we needed shooting. He broke the all-time three-point record. So, I mean, you know, excuse me, there's something there, but it wasn't, you know, I, I won him off the team immediately. And a lot of the issues with the team this year, like we didn't move forward. And I don't like, I don't know the dynamic between a front office and the coaching staff or whatever, but I feel like as a front office, if you have a plan, you have things you're doing, you've got to be able to execute them and put them in place. And if you can't get your coach on the same page, then I got to grade you on that too. So we shouldn't have watched as many games of Alec Burks at point guard as we did. It's a waste of development for Emmanuel quickly. It's a waste of seeing what you got to do with McBride. It didn't help us on the floor period. Um, you know, the camp reddish move is cool. Uh, the difficulty in him getting on the floor in the beginning, weird, but that comes down to coaching. But yeah, like I just, the front office didn't necessarily do anything well this year. They drafted well, but in terms of how the season turned out, and then my biggest thing and the reason they got a C minus for me and almost a D is because of the trade deadline, they did nothing. And I don't even mean, oh, we needed to go get a big star. We needed to, no, like, we all knew that we needed to consolidate. Like once we got cameras, the first thing I said was Alec Burks is gone. Somebody's gone. You have to make room and no room was made. And that led to Tom Thibodeau using his devices of destruction against our emotional, like well-being for the rest of the season. And that's on the front office. So I gave him a C minus. I went D plus just because of their belief that they thought that this team was actually closer to being a consistent contender than they actually were. Because when you really think about it, they thought Evan Fournier, that was the big signing, would be enough to keep them in the top five of the East. Not, I wouldn't say top four, but at least the top five. That's just a very gross miscalculation. And if the stuff with DeRozan's true, that's even worse. And shame on you for listening to Tom Thibodeau if he really said, get Evan Fournier over DeMar DeRozan. The Cam Reddish trade, like you guys said, was good. But that wasn't nearly enough to move the needle. Kemba on a bargain deal was the second biggest move they made. The Nerlens re-signing was an absolute disaster. 25 games, didn't really do much. The draft was their saving grace once again. So either this team starts actually using the draft picks on the floor. I understand they the 
uh, article in The Athletic this week explained why the kids aren't playing, but I think it's about time that we start seeing those kids play because this is now, what, year four or five in neutral if you take away the pandemic year. So the front office can't just keep on hiding behind flexibility for a big move because we don't know when that big move's coming. And until it happens, you can't just keep skating by with marginal moves. And that's pretty much all we saw once again. So enough with the team option deals that don't look as bad in that light and start making some real moves. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's part of why, I mean, I, I'm surprised I was the, the higher grade of the bunch here. I thought for sure I was going to be lower, but I, good, good on you guys. I was trying to be too fair, but, uh, but yeah, no, I'm kind of with you though, but that's kind of why I, I ding them more for being cautious. Like I've been saying, you know, we've been saying really on this pod, they've been cautious for the sake of being cautious. And I think people in this fan base really are, are pretty impressed by deals that aren't impressive. I don't know how else to say it. Like they enjoy seeing a bunch of multi-year, you know, 10, $15 annually deals more than they enjoy seeing like the Knicks just pay somebody. And the reason I say that is because they're capped out right now like they got mo- they got moves to make but they're capped out it's not impossible like sean's saying you know we got a couple expirings this year the team options you're right but for how many years we're going to be like well they didn't sign anybody good these guys underwhelmed but hey at least they didn't kill us hey at least we can still maybe move them and get off their di-. that's not a win to me after like two three four years you know what i mean like at some point okay we're, we can bring in a role player who's solid right for 10 15 million a year right for sure how does that push us further you know, well, why can't we sign the $20 million a year guys? Why can't we sign the $23 million a year guys? Why is it only these guys X amount of them? And then we got to keep interchanging those guys. At some point you got to just consolidate and make a bigger splash. Like, you know, and if, and if not, then, you know, like we, Sean just said too, we got the, all these draft picks you keep adding. Remember we had a surplus of draft picks and we moved almost none of them. Right. So we just kept adding kids. And then we added kids who weren't going to play over these veterans who weren't really moving the needle for us. So it's a very confusing spot because it's like, well, if you guys aren't going all in on better talent and then you're refusing to draft, actually, the not shitty kids you drafted, I'm not going to say they sit here and hit on every single person, but like these weren't misses. Like to me, like Knox was a clear miss that you had to keep forcing to see if he was going to be better, right? Frank was a very clear miss that they had to keep forcing to see if he was going to get better, right? But like, again, listen, I, I know everybody thinks you always later. do it. You I, always I, 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 I do. I do. But it's the truth. Like the, those guys stunk. Those two were awful. And the, and like, for example, I look at a Sims now, right? Like a Sims is a little bit of a knucklehead sometimes, right? Like, look, he, he spaces out. He gets lost. But like you see, he could play like he'll have halves where he's putting up 10 rebounds, 12 rebounds. He gets a couple blocks in a row. And you're like, ah, I mean, when he's locked in and, and knows where he's supposed to be, he's actually pretty good. But like. How many like big stretches did you see from Frank? You didn't, right? You saw like, oh, he scored 20, you know, in, in that one, that one Tuesday night in November against a shorthanded Bobcats team, or a uh, Hornets team. Oh no. <laughs> we'll hold on to that for the next three months, you know? But like 20 and 10, 20 and 10, right before the pandemic. Kyle, it's going to be so funny when RJ gets enough power, he's going to bring Frank back <laughs> because if you guys saw the three, uh, the old man in three pod, he said, that's one of his best friends. So I saw he will return every day. Yeah, he's going to be the new Theo Pinson. It's going to be so funny. I'll never escape. I'll never escape Franklin Lillikin. I'll never escape him. He's going to he's going to follow me around for the rest of his career. I know. But he's inevitable. Um, he truly he truly is inevitable. But I mean, look, like this draft class 
in general, like that, you know, I feel like Leon and those guys have done a good job. Like Quickly's good. Obi's good, right? That's two right there. You, you know, Grimes is pretty good, right? We got to see him like in, in extended consistently larger minutes now, like beyond like the spurt that he played, which was still good enough for me. But I just want to see him like, what, what do you look like 25 minutes a night now for two months in a row? Like no injuries, no nonsense. Beginning of the season, you're just in the rotation. Now, what do you look like? I think he's going to be okay, or at least a, an, an impact player, right? But we weren't able to say that before. So it's like you get points for that. But then if you're drafting guys who are potentially impact players to some degree on or off the bench, and they're not really getting off the bench, I mean, what are we really grading, right? Like Deuce McBride, right? Love Big Deuce McBride guy in college. Everybody knew this. That was my guy coming out of the draft. I said this like six times on this pod. I got to give him an incomplete for the season because I didn't get to see him. But we also didn't make any moves to shore up the guard position. So I just had to watch Alec Burks all year. So now what am I supposed to grade Alec Burks? And I can't even grade the guy on the bench. And we had reinforcements that we could have tried out. Maybe, maybe do stinks if you play him 25 minutes a night for a month in a row. Maybe. I don't know, though, because I didn't get to watch him. We couldn't even rule out that possibility because I couldn't even watch him, right? But I knew point Alec Burks wasn't working and stinking it up, and I still had to watch it. So like that, that's where our frustration comes from. It's, it's very much time to shit or get up the pot. This front office has to acknowledge this, okay? You can't do this every year. It's 2022. I feel like I've had the same podcast for five years where I'm just like, hey, man, you guys kept the books clean, you know? We got the picks back. When's the move coming? Like, any move, any move. And, and we've argued, you know, inconsequential additions. We've argued big additions, and it doesn't matter. If the guy makes $15 million a year, and then we pay him once he gets here, if he's already making 25 million, it doesn't matter. We never get the guy, right? So you got the front office got to do better is really what it comes down to. Like you got to, there's got to be a vision you're building towards. And now a lot of us feel like there's no vision. It just feels like they're holding and kind of waiting for like a lotto ticket to fall into the lap. Like you got to be the aggressor. Nobody's signing here. Nobody's signing here. That's worthwhile, right? Go get somebody. If you have the assets, go get somebody. So until we see something, this front office is going to get a not good grade. Like you got to, yeah. Progress now. Yeah, I feel like this is a big summer. I mean, like you said, I mean, like even last summer, uh, last offseason with signing Alec Burks, Mills, and Noel, things like that. I mean, honestly, that's all they did in the first offseason, too. We signed Alec Burks, we signed Mills, Noel. Those deals worked out, you know, but like they, we haven't really made like when free agency hits and I'm waiting for six o'clock for three weeks. And then it comes and I get that notification. It's not, it hasn't been like an exciting notification or something that's like a real game changer. And I'm not saying we got to jump out and do the first thing we see, but it's time for a move to be made or at least a clear direction. Like, and I feel like as the way the last season ended, you know, we have, we should have a clear direction on this all season. Like honestly, I, I would be cool with the front office just getting some people out of the way. If that was all we did this all season, if that was all we accomplished, I would be fine starting Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, RJ Barrett, Obi Top, and Mitchell Robinson. Like, at least then I know, okay, we're like, you know, we're like building around RJ. We're like 22 to 24 drawer nucleus. And, you know, these are the guys we're trying to build up and they're going to get the lion's share of the minutes and we're going to be able to, you know, we can be like Grizzlies East. But this whole, you know, having these draft picks that you've did, you, you've hit in the draft, you've done great. You've done great. The front office has done excellent in the draft. So now give your draft picks the opportunity to play and grow. Yeah, and, and not Grizzlies West. I was thinking more Rockets West where, 
you can just clear out all the like vets that are clocking minutes, Burks, Noel, and actually just build around Barrett in a rocket type model where he's in, obviously I don't know if he's Harden level when Harden was in Houston, that is, but he's really good at drawing fouls. He can get to the rim. If you just put him, put quickly at point guard and then Randall, I guess we'll talk to him about him in a little bit, but I would put someone like Obi there right now, especially if Obi's shooting how he shot in the last tail end of the season when he was shooting 30 plus percent. I think he was closer to 38%. But the point is put RJ, put Mitchell Robinson as the rim runner, defensive anchor and just put him with shooters and see what happens because i'm guarantee you that space is going to be good it could even be fournier i mean fournier hit 241 three-pointers if he's can do that again at a 38 percent clip why not just try that out for one year because i don't unless i'm missing something i don't really see a star player that's going to be available without giving up the whole roster coming up this summer zion's probably the closest we can think about just because the pelicans are surviving without him against the sun. So maybe that's the opening Donovan Mitchell. We'll talk about him in a little bit. That seems to be the guy that Knicks are, have their eye on as well as Brunson because they've been at that series, but yeah, I would just build around RJ this year. If they're going to keep doing the same hiding behind the cloak of flexibility, I think at least try and build a model with the existing pieces. Maybe it'd be cool. I mean, I, I'm very indifferent at this point. Like, you know, I, I think, RJ is the only short thing. And even this talk about like, oh, you can't, you know, don't gut the roster. If you make this trade for a player, whoever the player is, you know, who's going to be left? I never liked those conversations, to be honest with you, because it implies that after you make the first trade or move, whatever the move is, even if it's small, that like you don't make moves after that. And I don't quite understand that. If you make a big trade and you get three or four of those, it doesn't even got to be 48 contracts, but you get three or four of those other contracts out, you just have cap space and four open spots now to, to fill up. And if there's better free agents and you have better talent, you probably have an easier time drawing the better free agents. And like the point that I go back to, right. You know, is the Carmelo trade, which we've discussed at length, but this is a different angle on it. Right. So everybody says we got gutted, right? We got gutted. The team had no depth, which was true for one season because it was a mid season trade. But then what happened in the offseason? They made a bad choice and not amnestying Amari. And that still led them to the really good backup plan of getting Tyson Chandler locked in to play next to Carmelo Anthony. Then Tyson Chandler wins defensive player of the year. They win 54 games. You get J.R. Smith. Like, it's not nothing. You make one trade you can realign on the fly like because you have cap space and the better talent. Now people want to play with Carmelo. Did we get a second superstar? No. That should have been Chris Paul if we did the amnesty the right way. However, however, they still built a really good team before they blew it up with the Bargani thing, right? So you can make the big trade and like deal with the, you know, the initial not having depth because like to, to me, I almost would prefer this specific front office make the move because they have hit on the draft to Sean's point. So if you moved a couple of the guys who are an RJ, right? Even if yes, okay, like you, you don't, I know nobody wants to move quickly. Nobody wants to move OB now, but this goes back to the point of if you want good talent, you have to give up good things. So like, let's say you move those guys. Okay, maybe you're not thrilled, but do they hit on Grimes? They've hit on other guys. Do we not trust them to hit again? 
I feel like they still have some picks if you're not moving all of them. Like, you know what I mean? I just feel like if they really have been smart with some of this stuff, then what's really the the hesitation, the, the big scare? I would feel like they can move some picks and probably with the remaining ones, make some good selections. And again, if you're plugged in like those guys are after the first big domino falls, you get your first star, you know, whatever, then I feel like it should be easier for them to like go get the surrounding talent, the supporting cast. Yeah. I mean, I personally, um, it, it really would depend. I mean, I, I really don't want to trade a man quickly at all. Um, I don't really want to trade Obi Toppin either, to be honest. Like, I, I think that my ideal scenario might be, my ideal scenario is a scenario where RJ Emanuel quickly and Obi Toppin all return. Um, and that's because Emmanuel quickly, in my eyes, has a lot of potential and can be really good. And we saw it happen, but we didn't get to see it happen enough, especially because he never got the starting position to where I feel like he would be traded for what his actual value is. I think that if you trade on, if you trade those guys now, you're trading them for a lower value than what you'd be able to, even, even if you trade them a year from now, like I don't want to trade them at all, but I just think that if you allow them to play and, you know, thrive and like, nobody's going to be like, Oh, Obi Toppin played really well over these last two weeks without Julius Randle. Let me, you know, build my franchise around him, you know? So you have to like, it's just a matter of who you'd be trading them for. I mean, if you trade Emmanuel quickly and you get SGA back, I mean, yeah, okay. Like you, you can live with that. But, um, you know, I, as far as the Donovan Mitchell thing, like, and I'm sure we'll get to that, but that's kind of like, it's like, what's the value of these guys? Cause you got to try IQ, you got to trade over, you got to trade a bunch of picks to the point where you might not even have picks anymore. So it's just like, I, I'm cool with like keeping who we have. Ultimately, I, 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 any pick, any trade that I want to make would be like heavily pick built. Like take as many picks as you want. Take eight picks. We've done great in the draft already. Take all the picks you want. You got to get players up. People want players too. That's what it always comes down to. And I, look, I get having some hesitations, some reservations, but like, here's my counter, right? Obi's 25. Like. Isn't he 24? At the, Let's not. <laughs> he, at the, at the end of it, at the end of it, he's going to turn 25 upcoming. And at the end of his, whatever this deal is going to be, he's going to be almost 30, right? whatever the extension he's going to sign, he's going to be 30 or almost 30. Right. So if you could get somebody who's better than that at a similar age, as much as I love Obi, he's gone. Like, that's kind of how it works for me. Like I have no hesitation with that. It, that, that's my thing. If, if, if I'm trying to tell you, I'm going to move Obi for like 33 year old Russell Westbrook. Yes. Like punch me in the teeth. Of course. Like that, that I understand. Like there's context to when you make those moves, but if I'm training for a guy who's a young star under the age of 26, 25, I probably have no reservations, including quickly, you know, because you're going to have to give up something enticing because if you don't, there's going to be another team that's perfectly willing to give up with guys on a similar tier to quickly or OB sometimes better, probably better in addition to their picks, which might be worse, but if they're giving up a, a comparable player, that's how they win. So I would, I don't mind that plan. I think that's a fine plan. I'm not even saying rush a Donovan Mitchell or a, a star like trade, but I'm saying, you know, for the same argument of we have to see them play extended minutes because they got to get their value up. But what if you play them extended minutes and now they aren't as good. And now that there's no value, now we see them not no value, but not the value you would have hoped for because there is something with selling against the appeal of what they could be in bigger minutes too, because that's all we have. We saw them in limited minutes and went, well, what if, what if, if they're starting, what if, if they play 25, 30 minutes a night? So there's gotta be some teams who are looking at that 
and thinking something oh, similar. Well, I think Obi. See, you're you're worried about that more with Obi. I think so. Go ahead, Sean. Oh, like that. Because my thing, and that, that's why, like, in this conversation, I kind of teeter because I don't want to, like, get personally involved. But I think that I 100%, like, if I could put some money on it today, Emmanuel quickly would be an all-star in the NBA. And so do I want to trade him right now because he's not an all-star yet for a guy who is an all-star who's going to piss me off by not defending in two years and then I gave away this and that and these picks? Or do I just... Uh, on RJ's timeline, who is 20, like, yeah, Obi's going to be 25, but if Obi plays for the next eight years at a high level and then he's 33, in eight years, am I going to be like, damn, man, we only got eight years out of Obi? I don't give a shit, to be honest. So it's just like, if you got guys in place who can, and it's it's pieces that fit together for me. Like, right now, in my mind, everything is around RJ. RJ is 21 years old. You get guys to fit around RJ. What I love about Obi, like those last two games, uh, he scored 35, then he followed up with 42. He scored 77 points over two games, and not a single play was run for him. And I think that's the kind of, like, uh, you know, some guy, somebody who's going to run the floor, get us out in transition, be able to space the floor. He was shooting really well. Toward, he shot 40% toward the end of the year. If he comes back next year shooting even 35% from three and playing extended minutes, Obi can give you 20 and 10. I believe I, I'm maybe not 10 because he runs the floor so much. I think you can get 18 and eight out of Obi in year, year three. And I think that if you can get 18 and eight out of a guy in year three, you look around and you're like, okay, who am I trading him for? And if it's not, you know, I don't know. Like if it's, it's uh, I don't know. This is, what, this, is what I'm try- this is what I'm trying to say, though. this is the whole point is because you got to have, if you're not going to move these guys and Obi's as old as he is, you got to be really <laughs> sure that he's going to be a 20 and 10 guy. I'm being serious. Like this is a real conversation. Like when he, when he was coming out of the draft and he didn't play well, the first, whatever, three, four months, all, all we saw online, especially from Knicks fans is, Oh, we had to draft a 28 year old OB top and old ass OB top. And that's the guy that we took, whatever, whatever. Right. But now nobody's talking about his age. I'm not even trying to use it to ding him. I'm just saying, realistically speaking, we're talking about production on the floor selling against it, whatever, whatever. Like, you got to give to get because if that's the case, we're never going to make a move. If, if we're not going to trade two of our better guys that aren't RJ, everybody can't be untouchable. So who are we looking, even if it's not for a Donovan Mitchell, like, so who are we looking to upgrade? How are we looking to upgrade anywhere? Like, I'm with you, at least not quickly, I'm with you a little bit because I see the appeal with the shot-making upside. Now, he didn't do himself any favors by being ice cold for like two, three months this year before kind of coming out of it. But again, I still want to see him start. I really wanted to see him start because I thought his best chance of looking like a real starter would have been between Randall and RJ specifically. Like even Randall with the struggles, not even saying build around Randall with the future, whatever, but like specifically quickly skill set fit really well between those two. And I'm disappointed we didn't get to see like 30, 35 minutes of him just consistently chucking between those guys. I think We've already talked about it, but it made all the sense in the world. So I would be interested in buying quickly more time. But, like, everybody, I can't be hesitant to see what they develop into in the next two years, three years, because that's how we get to these positions where we move nobody. We don't extend all those guys. We didn't move them when they had some value because they were still young and appealing, and now they're just players, and now people don't just want these players, and now we just got to, well, who's the next second-year player on our team that somebody might want? And then we start the cycle over again. Like, at some point, you got to catch some of the chips in. And That's I trust right. the front office to to replicate, not entirely, but some of the draft <clears throat> success. Like, I mean, clearly they know the kind of players they're looking for. They want guys who can come in and even if they don't play all the time, can impact games right away like a Jericho Sims. So I would take my chances on making a move and then like, hey, get, you guys figure it out in the front office. You got more picks. 
You know, obviously nobody's saying trade eight picks, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, Grimes, everybody, all the picks go get Donovan Mitchell. But there, there's, yeah, like four, you know, you start with three, four picks, right? And you go, okay, pick two, two of the better young guys, not named RJ that you were interested in. And that's like the start of the foundation of the deal. And then you tweak from there. I think, you know, whether it's Donovan Mitchell, SGA, somebody else, like you're going to have to make a trade like that at some point if you're trying to be yeah. realistic too. And, and RJ is what, 21? Getting him a guy who's a, a legit star under 25, that's a good timeline to be on. Like that's a real, for RJ's sake too, you're giving RJ good talent that he could grow with and stay locked into for the next four or five years guaranteed. Like that's kind of how I'm looking at it too. Like at some point you got to give him like the, the talent shot to be able to, right. to go out and, and grow and get back to the playoffs and actually have a shot in the playoffs, you know? Like I, I worry, even if it is RJ's the number one option, is quickly and Obi going to be enough in a playoff series? Obviously we don't know. They could be. We don't know, but the chances of that happening versus like a, an established 25 year old guy already to me, I, I think it's clear. I think we're just bring, we're not bringing up the right name with trades. I think Julius Randall's the one that we have to really Thank think you. about. And that's not because I think he had a down year. I think Sean hit on it best when he talked about Obi scoring 77 points without having a play run for him. Randall's not that type of guy where he can be, super effective off the ball. And if Thibodeau was a little more creative and using Randall as a small ball five, then I'd be more open to it, but he's not. It's very clear that he likes to have a true center. Taj Gibson seems to be the only exception to that rule. So under that, and then you have Cam Reddish, who is technically a three or a four, ideally. So you have a lot of, you have a lot more flexibility to move on from Randall than anywhere else. I think quickly he shouldn't be moved until he's at least, tried out as a starting point guard because the last five games, 8.8 assists. I know it's a super small sample size, but it kind of just hit on everything that we saw from Vegas where he looked like he was taking control. We see him on the sideline with Deuce and Grimes going through plays clearly like engaged as becoming a point guard. You have to at least give that guy a shot before you move on, in my opinion. And Randall's on a bargain trade. I know he wanted to spend his prime here. That's nice, but this is a business at the end of the day. Obi, I didn't expect Obi to blossom like that towards the end of the year. And if he proves to be, obviously, I don't think he's going to shoot 38% from three for a full season, or maybe he can. But the low maintenance where you can keep the ball in RJ and Quickly's hands or whatever other player that they bring in that's going to need the ball in his hands, you can afford that with Obi on the floor. You can't really afford that with Randall. And then that's not even getting into the mental lapses or whatever Randall was doing where he was sulking during periods on the floor. That's all that is why I think it should be heavily considered if the deal is right to consider Randall. If the deal's right, because half the Randall conversation I've seen has just been dumping him because he can't be on this team. That's all I well, can see. Yeah, he, he can't be on this team next year. He just can't be on this team. And I think for the same points you're saying about, well, why, why would we sell on Obi and, and quick if we haven't seen what they maybe could look like in better value. I, you know, we're selling at the, at the worst time. I think that's what we'd be doing with Randall. I know it's not the popular take maybe, but like you did sign him and everybody complains about the contract extension coming up. He's going to be like the 50th highest paid, 40, 50th highest paid player in the league. This is an inconsequential deal. This is a decent regular I think extension. that's an asset in a trade talk though, don't you but think? That, yes, I agree. But I, it's I think be, Randall's an asset as well. It, it is, but it's got to be the right deal is all that I'm saying. Like if you're just dumping him to get off of him and some de somebody's going to have a, a good contract for the next four years because they bought low. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not that interested. I don't think he's going to bounce back to fucking, you know, last season, but I, I think, you know, th- there's a middle ground between the very obviously the, the worst shooting career of his career and, and the season before, which was the best shooting season in his career. I think, I, I think at some point, naturally he has to find whatever that middle ground is. And I think that's when you sell against them. I, I think for me, I I'm one of those, he can't come back. Me, I don't want him on this team. I don't care. I don't care if he's got to get traded for like uh, a left Air Force. Like, that's what I'm saying. Care. So, so then you're taking the found money you had, and you made a smart extension, and now th- just fucking get him out of here. I don't care what we get back for him. And that to me, that's not smart asset management. Yeah. We're, we're not I, taking big would, swings, would, and we're, would, we're selling low at the worst time. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to like. I think that Randall is, and I try. I, I feel like he was. I think he was cancerous this year. Like watching him, like his energy, like the, you know, the effort level and the way, and you need, Obi needs to play. If we had, if we didn't have Tom Thibodeau, like the front office put themselves in this quandary. So now you have to get rid of Randall because you chose to keep Tom Thibodeau and he's not going to try Obi Randall. You drafted Obi. Obi has a chance to thrive and he's able to do it with low usage. And like, I think that the transition from Randall to it becoming RJ's team I don't know if that really sat well with Randall and I'm not saying he's jealous or he was angrier, but like just as a human, like it was probably tough, you know, they were chanting MVP for him. And then they got to a point where he was at the line and they were RJ Barrett chants while he was at the line. So um, I think he just has to go. And I think that you try to, you know, my, my thing is like Julius Randall, as many picks as possible, and, you know, maybe one of the young guys. And when I think of one of the young guys, I, as much as I love Quentin Grimes, He's the person I attach to most of those because people have seen enough of him to know what he can be. He's a really great three and D guy um, and has, you know, potential to be more. And that's a young guy with value and you already have Cam Reddish and that's kind of redundant at the wing. So you, you prefer to trade one of those guys, as a young player, but I would offer Julius mad picks and a young player, whatever, and see what that can get me. And if it can't get me anything, and, and if that can't get me anything, then I just move Julius for what I can move him for. But I think that bringing Julius, bringing Tom Thibodeau and Julius back is disgusting. I don't want to do that. I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see, because I, I, I don't have any faith in Tom Thibodeau's ability to evolve at all. So we're going to see the worst ISO player in the NBA still getting heavy ISOs next season. That's not what we need. I think that we need to put like, that's why I feel like the front office has to pivot to focusing on the young talent that they have in the building. Part of drafting well is a lot like, you know, it's not just about oh drafting guys so that you can have them as assets to trade for guys that other people drafted. You draft guys well, you let them become what they are, and then you get a nice young nucleus. The Grizzlies were closing a playoff game the other night and every single player on the floor was somebody they drafted in the past like three or four years. I would love that. I would love that. So like, you don't like just, yeah, get him out of my way, honestly. Like, and I mean, and what you said about, you know, with RJ, if, if you get to the playoffs is Emmanuel quickly and Obi top and going to be enough to help him. Maybe it won't, maybe they get to the playoffs and they don't win. They're 22, Obi's 25, but we're on RJ's timeline. RJ is 22. If they get there this year and they don't win, that's the year of experience that they get. And maybe next year they'll be more ready for it. Like, you know, it's not like you, cause you could trade for the 25 year old and still get bounced in the first round. And then what? Like, so uh, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm team. Let the kids grow. I mean, Cause I don't really looking, see a trade that's out there. That's like surefire. And, you know, 
I know this is hot takey, but if you um, like the playoffs right now, all the teams that are looking good and thriving are teams that kind of more or less held it together with their foundation. And they did add a big piece eventually, but I don't see any like the Nets are struggling for a polar example of a team that kind of just threw everything, not away, but threw everything at two major pieces and they look down and out right now. So versus like the Celtics who slowly built it together, kept it together, they hit the lottery with Tatum. Mike, but Mike, why did they keep why did the Celtics keep it together the last four years? Danny Ainge is uh, he's a hesitator. No. Why did they keep it together the last four years? I don't know. They're, they're winning? They're... So Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were very clearly a different level of building around people. Like those two were very di- – for a while now, it's been obvious that those two were very legitimate, going to be top players in the NBA – you hold it, you hold down the fort as long as you can. That's a very different scenario. Even like the Grizzlies, like we keep saying the Grizzlies, they had Jaron Jackson Jr. and then John Morant. And then they added a bunch of try try hard guys around the right, good players around them. But like it, you have to start with we hit on two major pieces via draft. So I get that we think that maybe quickly could be at least the second major piece from the draft, but we don't have that for sure, is the difference. RJ to me is, is is for sure. RJ's this looks like a guy who's going to be. We, we all agree on this. This is not nothing I, I need to reiterate. But I mean, he, but now, we, we've now agreed. We we've agreed. But before year three, RJ was not for sure. Yeah, you got to at least give guys year three before right, year three. But, RJ was not year, for sure. But year two, he was eighteen a game and good defense on the cover of, of Slam Magazine with Julius Randle. I'm not saying don't move Julius because I agree with you actually on the premise of the package, but like. Even saying, like, well, teams saw enough in Grimes. Well, how did teams see enough in Grimes, but they haven't seen enough in OB and Quick to be interested? You know what I mean? Like, they, they've had to have seen enough in any of those young players to to make their decisions off of that, too. And it, I, I'm not saying they haven't seen enough to be interested. I, what My thing is, like I said, I think Emmanuel quickly can be an all-star. And I don't think that if you trade Emmanuel quickly as part of a trade package, he's going to have the value of potential all-star. So I think that trading him right now, instead of allowing him to be like, right. I, I firmly believe like, because I look at, okay, RJ is here. Boom. That's a one surefire piece. Now who, who can play point guard and give me 18 points, five boards, five or six assists and get to the line, play solid defense. Emmanuel who can do that right now, given 30 minutes. So let him do it instead of trading for another guy, you know, let him do it. And then year three, he does it sort of well. Maybe year four, he's 20 points. You know, but, you know, and if, if, he, if you give it to him in year three and he gets 30, 35 minutes of the game and he's just not the guy, then you look elsewhere. But I think, like Mike said, you got to give him the chance to do it. Like, I, I, I can't say that he can't do it. He hasn't gotten it. I've seen a man quickly do it. I wanted a man quickly get a starting job from his rookie year. Like, when I saw him drop 31 on Portland – and then he came in the fourth quarter and dropped 16 in the fourth and beat Trey Young. I was like, yo, give this guy the job. And he hasn't gotten it yet. And I think that in year two, even though you even though you said like he's had a two, two and a half month monumental shooting slump and still was really good defensively. And honestly, in year one, he was a little bit of a defensive liability. So the fact that he was able to come back as a plus defender in year two, he got a lot better with playmaking. Like Mike said, he was averaging 8.8 assists. But even beyond that, like our offense was running better over those last 30 games when he was running the offense. And he also had a great assist to turnover ratio. He wasn't turning the ball over either. So it's like those are good things that you see like like that, you know, in year two. And if you give him more of that opportunity in year three, 
you can have that player. It can be more cost effective. And then, you know, you can start looking at what other things you can do with your assets. Okay. Now we try to convert Julius Randall, whether it becomes cap space or you put it into a different deal, somebody to be a complimentary piece to these guys. Um, even with Obi, like, I, I don't think there's anything about Obi Toppin, anything about what Obi Toppin did that wasn't like replicable. I don't think that he started like coming down and shooting step back threes or like, you know, fading away. Like he ran the floor, he cut back door, he caught alley-oops, he shot threes at a 40% clip. Like maybe that goes down to 35, but that guy gives you 18 and pretty efficiently. He had a game against the Hornets where he had 18, 11, and six on April 11 shooting. That's great production to get from the four. So I like rather than just trading guys away for like, hoping that, you know, I, I don't I, I don't think there's that guy out there that I can trade IQ and Obi right now for their lower value, and he's going to make me not worry about the fact that I did it. I, I don't I, I don't mean, see I, that guy out there. I, I mean, I disagree wholeheartedly because I, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, this always turns into, like, it makes it seem like I'm against, like, the young guys, too, and it's not that. It's just no, I, I, don't, I, 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 don't, I don't have this – I don't have this certainty or belief that these guys are going to be all-stars. I think that – and that's not slanderous. I think you could be a very good basketball player, a high-impact starter, and not be an all-star or close. We've, we've seen a lot of those guys. Good winning basketball, you know, like the Hall of Very Good. We, we use that term sometimes, the Hall of Very Good. There, there's very good players that exist that just are not all-stars or just not – you know, and to me, I don't see either of those two – quickly or Obi turn into, into that caliber of player. I see them turning into impact players, good starters, quality starters even. But if I'm trading, if it's coming down to me, then trading a couple quality starters for an all-star level talent that helps us move up with the talent disparity that we have, that's sort of what I'm looking at. And if it fits I, the right timeline, I, I, I'm I hate okay that word. Me. I don't think we have a talent disparity. I think we I have do, so many talented basketball players. We have talented basketball players that should have got more burn. I don't want to have to like, you know, go back on everything I say to like refine it. We have good basketball players that should have gotten more burn. Emmanuel quickly. I'm with you the last two years. I would have just started him for two straight seasons. I'm with you. Obi Toppin. I would have played a zillion minutes, especially four or five minutes with Randall. I'm with you. I saw the impact he was making because he was making real impact. He came into the game and he was good. I'm with you. But when you're playing starters every game consistently all season, and now they start to think about you and game plan for you in different ways, it, it does change things a little bit. So as much as I think they're going to come in and mostly be okay as starters or longer minute players, I think if we're looking at what they could turn into, not to put a cap on them, but you know, normally when you're talking about young rebuilds, you kind of know the guys who are like really got it or you don't, they come out and they play like an RJ. They really got it. You know what I mean? Like, so again, I, I think there's credence to like, yeah, don't rush the trade. I'm not saying it's got to happen this, this summer, as soon as the jazz get eliminated, Offers got to be on the table for Donovan Mitchell. I'm not even saying that, but you should be conscious of making the star trade now more than ever. It's the same thing I've said last year. So it's not anything new. And I liked Emmanuel quickly last year. Like I wanted him to start last year coming into this season. I wanted him to start, you know what I mean? Like, but I would move him is all that I'm saying. Like to me, that's just what, that's just what the name of the game is here. You got to get the big names. You got to try to pair them together. I, RJ to me is a big name. RJ is going to be a bigger name in the next couple of years. I think RJ obviously is going to be an all-star. That's how I feel. It's not even like a hot take. I think obviously if you're going to score 23 to 25 points a night, six, seven rebounds, he's a couple assists away from being a bona fide all-star. You know, that, that's kind of how it works for me. So who, who's going to help him? Because in the playoffs, when we saw Julius struggling and they tried to get it to RJ, there was no creating. There was no, there was no nothing. So I want to get 
past that. I want to get RJ into the first round and have a shot to get to the second round. So how am I going to do that? That's what I'm looking at. And he's already young. So he's, his timeline's all that I'm worried about. So if we can add to this now and get past it, you could always add another good player. You could always sign another good player. I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to keep all the good guys we have now is what I'm trying to say. Like I would start with like the Randall plus pick steal. I think that's fine. But at the end of the day, like different teams are going to value different things. And if they want a quickly, like it's not going to be enough for me to say no, is all that I'm saying. I think you quickly, try to keep them. You try to keep them in the deal. That's what I always try to say. You try to keep them. I, I enter with this. I, I try to keep one of Obi or quick, right? And, and okay, take a Grimes, take a whatever. You try different things. Take a deuce, take Grimes and deuce. And you know what I mean? You try different packages. I would, I would, quick and Obi would be the last guys I'd want to depart with, obviously not named RJ. But that's not usually how it's, this works. Usually you keep the one good young guy you want and then probably the others go if you're going to make a, the big moves, what I'm saying. So I think they're, you know. I think we're missing out. Uh, I think we have a maxi-like opportunity with quickly where maybe not the points are there, but I think you can have a guy who at the bare minimum is averaging 15 points and like around seven assists. I think you have to at least give him an opportunity to take a leap. You should average 15 if he starts. I don't think that's that's wild, but that's what I just don't know how much more beyond that is. He is he a 20 point guy? Is he? We don't know, obviously. I'm not sure. I but think we can't below. we can't always mystery box all the prospects. Is all that I'm trying right. to say. Because if we always say, well, what if he's going to be an all star? Then of course, well, if he's going to be an all star, we can't trade him. But we can't say this about everybody either. Like at some point, we got to pick and choose. For for me, it's not just you know. Cause I, I think he'll. I think he could get 15 in the sleep. Um, I think he'll definitely be a 20 point guy. I don't know about next year being a 20 point guy, but I think with 30, like, uh, I was Damian Lillard third year. Damian Lillard played 35 minutes a game and they got 21, six and four. And I think in 35 minutes a game, a man who can give you something similar, maybe 19 instead of 21, but I think he can give you five boards and five assists. He was mm -hmm. like, and you know, and I, and I'm not saying he's Damian Lillard, but like, I'm also saying that you got to give guys the opportunity to, and you know, it's like he gets to the line at like elite level player rate. Like he gets to the line, like veteran. Those are things that are valuable in the playoffs. Emmanuel quickly has games where he's like, and, and he shoots a high clip there. So he'll get to the line 10 times to make nine of them. There was one game and, he had 18 on four shots. But, but Sean, this is all I'm trying Come to say. Come on, and 27 because, on 10 shots. But, but Sean, but, but like the, the point in question is we keep talking about guys that we might trade for that are like high level offensive players. And we're talking about what Emmanuel quickly maybe might do in big minutes, maybe might do in the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell, who we don't want because of defensive purposes, in his playoff career, averages 29 points, five rebounds, five assists. He gets to the line a lot. He shoots 38% from deep over 37 career playoff games. Like, it's not – that's not enough with the defensive maybe concern sometimes because he's played defense in his career before. Like, so I'm looking at a guy averaging 35, five, 35 and five, shooting 38% from deep. I would take my chances. He's 25 doing that already. He's still a young player coming in. He's not even in his peak yet. We're, we're going we're gonna to poo-poo that and then say, well, quickly maybe scores 21 in the playoffs. I, I don't know how we do that. I, I'm not poo-pooing it. And I'm not saying that because I feel like right now you're doing like a direct linear comparison of Emmanuel quickly and Donovan Mitchell. If the trade was Emmanuel quickly for Donovan Mitchell, I'd be listening, but that's not what the trade is. And beyond that, it's like the level of, you got to trade quickly, whatever, whatever the package is, you got to trade mad picks. 
And I'm sorry, like, I don't want to hear that. Oh, he was a good defender before. I When he was coming out of Louisville, I loved Donovan Mitchell. I thought he was a very active defender. Donovan Mitchell should be a great defender. He has all the tools to be a great defender. He's quick. He's got quick feet. He's got long arms. The fact that Jalen Brunson is going off and your team has to put Bojan Bogdanovic on him is alarming to me. That's, I can't he's, ignore that. He's I, Listen, he's mailing it this series, but I think if you're looking at his... So if, if you're mailing... his full resume. Playoffs, first of all, and then even his full resume, during the season while the Jazz were collapsing and dropping mad games, I was I had an eye open. Because this whole time, I was like, from the beginning of the season, I've been saying I'm rooting for whoever the Jazz playing in the first round so Donovan Mitchell can request a trade. He was coming after the game, he was being like, damn, it's the same shit as last year, blah, 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 blah. You guys heard that. Well... Yeah. It, it's the same shit as last year. Teams losing close games, and you're not switching. You're not stepping up. Maybe you're the it. problem. Because he's mailing it. Because he wants to get out. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't want the guy that's mailing. I don't want the guy that's mailing it. I I don't. And I'm not saying. Look, I love Donovan Mitchell. I'd be very excited if he was a Nick. But I'm just saying, in terms of ways and avenues that we can go improving this team and moving forward, if we trade for him and I go in the garden and I watch him not switch on a screen and with in the fourth quarter of a playoff game with a minute left, I'm going to blow a blood vessel. So I don't want to go through like, especially trading all those assets for him. No. If he was playing defense. Reactionary. I, I, um, is it being is it really reactionary? Because it's not just like he stopped playing defense this series. First of all, the Jet, they, they like even when as I'm watching it because I don't watch a bunch of Jazz games all year, but as I'm watching these games, they're like you know the Jazz struggle with perimeter, you know their perimeter defenders. They don't have great perimeter defense. Rudy Gobert looks like he's in hell. He's like looking around. He's trying to cover all these switches. He's looking at guys like, bro, what are you doing? I don't want after watching Julius Randle take defensive possessions. Maybe I just have PTSD. Had Dude, I'm not going to tell went, you, but, but that it's important. It is important, the- but it's not every play. It's not every series of this guy's career is all that I'm trying to say. He's definitely, I'm with you. He's mailing it. He's mailing it. Brunson is cooking him. He's getting fried. I understand that I'm with you on this series, but it's not, and I'm not even saying either, by the way, I'm not even saying he's been a great defender. His, the entire time he's been in the career. I'm saying he's not been bad at worst. He's been, yeah, he's fine. Like, he's never been, like, torched every year, torched 82 games in a season because that makes no sense when they generally play good defense during the season, right? So they have good defensive teams, a good defensive structure, at least for the regular season, and then things get hairy in the playoffs because that's how playoffs work, right? This season in particular, he's getting fried. He deserves all, everything everybody's saying about him on that end because it's been evident and it's been bad. But I think because of the way we as Knicks fans react to that stuff with the defense, Like, I just watched an entire season of almost $20 million, Evan Fournier, only play offensive basketball and only do it, like, half the year. Like, he would hit 10 shots in a game, 10 threes in a game, play no defense, or he'd hit zero shots, right? And it drove you insane. And me too. Right, but he's not an Evan Fournier defender. He's much better defensively than Evan Fournier, and he scores the ball, and he scores the ball consistently. So if I'm talking about my two goals from being a Fournier to a Mitchell – like why I would not be where I'm not thinking about him getting dog walked every possession. Cause he doesn't get dog walked every possession. He's getting fried right now. I think we need to keep it to being fried right now. I do want to, as well, stupid right, as it sounds, oh, I kind of want to, no, it's, it's really, really short. It's, I just want to see if we do get Mitchell, I kind of want Tom Thibodeau to be there for at least part of it. Just so he's like, gets in his head. Like, yo, you got to have to play two ways, dude. Like we're not doing this. But that's the other part, too, is, like, I'm under the the assumption, like, when he comes here, Tibbs or no Tibbs, 
like that's that's the expectation like you come in and it's like all right bro you you mailed it all right you did it mission accomplished all right like you got out of utah you did what you had to do okay you play defense now like i'm not saying you got to be even all, all world all caliber all defensive team but like the obvious mailing obviously wouldn't you can't do that shit you can't just come here and only chuck obviously if you come here and only chuck i, I would i would be with you but i don't think the expectation for a 25 year old rising star who wants to get out of, out of the mormon capital of the world I think I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack for the the little bit of defense that he's fallen off with here of late, and then just and make the move. That's just uh, me. Kyle, do you think Donovan Mitchell wants to win these playoff games? I don't know. I mean, he looked pretty excited yesterday, making a, a game. He looked pretty excited. He made huge Gobert. plays. He, he made like the, a he made one to get. He made the game. He made the end one to get him back into it. He made the lob to go bear. I think he wants to win these games. These are games that you want to win. And in the fourth quarter with a minute left in playoff games, you are not switching, boxing out, stepping up, making an effort. I, that's not about wanting to get out. You want to win. You want to win these games, clearly. I saw you. I saw how excited you were. You want to win these games. You're just not making the play. And that's alarming for me. I don't really, like, the, the whole, like, you know, I've done, I tried to do that earlier, and I know it's not the same situation, but I tried to do that earlier this year. Oh, Evan Fournier is not a good defender, but he's played in some good defensive systems. Maybe he'll get here and playing for tips. He'll commit to defense. And I know that Those he's far less things. capable defensively. I, I just said that. They're different. But at the same time, I also can't just assume that he's going to get here and play defense. I, I cannot well, assume why, that. Well, why are we just going to assume not, that he's going to only mail it? That's what I don't get. I'm not, he hasn't I'm not only assuming that he's going to only mail it. Maybe he's just a shitty defender. Maybe he's he doesn't though. care about defense. That's he, why you have to if, if, you're in, if you're in the fourth quarter of a playoff game with a minute left and you're not stepping or switching or making any kind of attempt at a play, you're a shitty defender. Period. I think he's it's playing like a shitty defender a, right now. I don't think he is a shitty defender is what I, I'm trying I, to say. I, I, look, if you're playing like a shitty defender with a minute left in the playoffs – I'm not exactly signing up to trade the farm for you. I, I maybe if this is like week 17 of the regular season, like you know we're in January and he's just trying to get to the trade deadline and he doesn't really care that much about tonight. This is the playoffs. I'm not buying the whole oh he's just a shit. You're a shitty defender in the final minute of a playoff game, bro. That's nasty. And like I said, I love Donovan Mitchell. I think he's extremely talented. And if he comes to New York, I will get a jersey. But in terms of in terms of our avenues and our direct, I'm going to like I would just be really upset because like you're like oh well if he gets here and he mails it in or he's not that defender that we thought he would be then that would suck well yeah but then that's where we would be you can't go back and undo it and be like well let's go back and this is, we didn't this realize is, he wasn't going to do this I'll be optimistic here well let's just I'm just going to check the temperature and be super optimistic. LeBron fake sold when he in 2009. That was a fake sell towards the end. I just feel he like he was just bro, like I'm like, over this shit. So I think maybe a change of scenery. I think he definitely wants out of Utah. That's abundantly clear. And who can blame him? Like if he was going to average 35 and five and be an elite playoff defender 24 seven, he'd be the best player in the world. There, there's different. There's issues with when we discuss this stuff because it, yes, if if the one big issue wasn't an issue, then what issue would he have? He'd have no issues, right? Like that's that's kind of what it comes down to too. If he's if he's giving you thirty five and five, shooting almost forty percent from deep in the playoffs, like yeah, if he's playing defense, then there's nothing to worry about at all. That's what you want. That's what everybody wants. But if you don't trade for that guy, then who? This is always the question. Well, then who is it that we're going to wait to trade for? And then it's going to be twenty twenty five, twenty six, and then we're targeting another guy two years out. At some point, it's okay to go make some moves and get people. That's all that I'm saying. If all I got to do is worry about, hey man, 
I know you can play good defense. We got to bring that out of you consistently. I don't know what was going on in Utah. Everything else checks out. I take my chances on that. I don't, I don't worry about that. I don't, because to me, there's not enough evidence to go back and be upset about it. Like he's only been a shitty defender. I think at some point you got to take your chances on, on things. Cause nobody's perfect. Nobody, nobody's going to be a perfect player. No, we're not, no, there's no top three player that you're going to get for not trading the farm or that's really ever available. There's no top three to five, but we always say this. We can't trade for anybody unless they're a top five player, top five players don't become available. So you generally got to trade for the top 15, 20 guys and try to make the best team you can out of those guys. Right. And if you don't, then we do what we've been doing, which is trading for nobody. And then just sort of praying that somebody falls into our lap. So again, I'm not saying you got to rush to do it. I'm not saying you got to trade everybody, but I'm saying, I think the souring on guys at which we sour on them sometimes, like even SGA, I love SGA. Don't get me wrong. I do I sign up for him in a heartbeat. He's not a, some defensive savant either. Like he's not going to come here and, and be two-way superstar. He's got things to prove in the defensive end too. Young stars got things to prove in different buckets and different areas. And it's all about who you're willing to take the swing and the chance on, and then think you're going to have a good shot going forward. For me, I, I, maybe I take more chances because we have PTSD as fans for different reasons, you know, Sean with the defense, me for just not trading for people. I don't, we have different things that we're going to always go for, but I think at some point you got to just, you got to do something. I'm not saying force it, whatever trade quickly, Obi, all the picks, you know, I'm not saying every single thing, but like, there's gotta be a reasonable middle ground where we think a guy is worth trading for. Cause it always seems like we like a guy. Then it comes time when really we might have to actually get in the mix to do the trade. And then we're like, Hmm, but that one thing. Oh, but do we really want to pay this guy? And then. Kofi, the you know what the biggest thing for me is with the Donovan Mitchell thing? It probably wouldn't be so big if he wasn't playing the Mavericks. Because before the series, I literally tweeted, I was like, Jalen Brunson could drop a 50-point triple-double and I wouldn't want him on the Knicks. Like, I, I had no interest in Jalen Brunson. I knew he was a good player. But, like, I want Emmanuel Kofi to start. Hmm? So it's your fault is what you're saying because you started the Jalen Brunson God tour. You spoke it into existence. Clearly, clearly. Because then he just started going up. And as I watched the game, I'm just like, okay, at this point, would I rather, like, because I didn't want Jalen Brunson. Now I'm open to Jalen Brunson, kind of at, maybe as a backcourt mate with Emmanuel quickly. I wanted length on the way next to RJ, but Jalen Brunson gives enough effort. And, like, I saw they were trying to post him up with Boyan and wouldn't happen. He's a stocky guy. He's kind of got that Chris Paul thing to him. He's a smaller defender that doesn't really get picked on. <laughs> so he can, like, him and quickly can work as a backcourt. So now I'm op I've opened myself up to this possibility, especially if it means a Randall signing trade. Good God, please send that man home. Um, so it gets Randall out of here in the process. You don't have to just dump Randall off. You get value back. Like, I'm cool with that. That's a nice, like, I like that. So now it's like, okay. I could lose only Julius Randle, who I want to get rid of anyway, and acquire Jalen Brunson to put it to two. And he's making great decisions. He's he's a he's he's him, honestly. He was getting MVP in the playoffs. Yeah, he's he's him. And I the only reason for me to say he's not him would be because his name wasn't attached to being him before. He is playing like him on both ends of the floor. So when I watch these two guys in the series and it's like, you could have this one, not lose any of the assets you want to keep, or you could get this one and trade all your assets. 
Okay, I'm okay. looking at the guy who I don't have to trade anything but, for. But Brunson obviously hasn't produced to the level that Donovan Mitchell has produced. And also, let's not sit here and pretend like Brunson was some defensive stalwart leading up to whatever. He's played better the last two months. I will give you that in the defensive end. I watched a lot of Maps games. He's played better the last couple months for sure, especially these playoffs. I will give you that because he isn't getting punked on defense. I give you that. But we can't make – decisions on one playoff series is what I'm trying to say, because I feel like we're only putting stock into this playoff series for a while. Jalen Brunson's not been a good defender for a while. That was not the case. So while I'm with you, there still are the same questions. I'm yet while he looks better in this series, for sure. He's in God mode. He, he is playing like him. You're correct. hundred percent. He's one of the best players in the playoffs right now. He's amazing. But if we're going off what he's done so far in total, like there are still defensive concerns, right? So then I'm I'm sitting here thinking, I'm with you. I would I would try the quickly Brunson backcourt out. But at the same time, there could be real defensive drawbacks to that if you're not getting what you, you see right now with Brunson. Like well, he hasn't proved it to me over a long duration. He's he's getting effort. That's a that's right what I'm now, saying. Like right you now. got like one thing that I want to like get your thoughts on, like how crucial is it to be a great defender? for like to acquire a star player because I kind of feel it's like not, you, you kind of, I think you insulate the star because when you think of star player to me, at least I'm talking about a 25 plus point score when I'm talking about a star player. I mean, like obviously there's non-traditional stars like Draymond, but if star you're, for somebody, you know what I'm saying? You, the whole point is to get a star score because at the end of the day, that's the most important player in the league. You have to insulate them anyway. So that's why I'm just like, Obviously, you want the two-way guy, but... Right, but, like, those guys are few and far between. Like, when you really talk about true two-way stars, two of them are on the Clippers, and then you have, what, four or five more league-wide that are really... And the two of them are in Boston, so it's not really... Like, Giannis, the two guys in Boston, and the two guys Kawhi went healthy. And PG. Yeah, and PG. The rest of these guys, I mean, obviously LeBron... And you, you could say Jimmy Butler, right? But Jimmy Butler is kind but of, even like, Jimmy's falling not, off offensively. Right. So you're going to you're going to get a guy who's probably not a great defender period. Like let's say I've never happening Luka Doncic. You could obviously say I don't know, he's not that great defensively. So we have to and we're going to insulate these guys no matter what. So I would just focus more on cost whether he's actually going to want to play here like Brunson, I think now that you bring in the Randall swap, that's actually really attractive and it's also someone you could easily flip for Donovan Mitchell in 2 years. I'd want Fournier gone if we got Brunson just to keep it a buck with you because the defensive concerns. I think at that point, you're just – I don't know how you trust, like – not. I, this isn't even Quickly's fault, but I feel like if you too, if you start two small guards and then Fournier's still there getting minutes, I don't love that a lot of the guys playing big minutes in the backcourt probably aren't going to defend super well. And then I think Quick probably de- is giving you effort, but I feel like he's overextended in that scenario defensively. So – I'm kind of, but I'm with you on like the the Brunson. Like even if it's a sign and trade and Randall goes, like I would be looking to try to get rid of Fournier somehow. Oh, as my I'm looking to try to get rid of Fournier regardless. For, for sure, for sure. So we're we're all lined there. But like even if you move Randall and get like I still think that's the right move because you keep some of the cap clean. You could reload. You get a little bit more guard talent. But I, I still have some worries about Brunson with quickly. But I think that's the that's at least creative enough that I would try it and take my chances versus whatever the fuck we just did this past season. But all I'm saying is, you know, to kind of put a bow on at least the, the, the trade conversation, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta give to get. And I think at some point, like we gotta know which things are, are you gotta be tolerable for, because 
it's 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 hard. We all we listen. We all want the two way guy. We all want guys that don't have no holes in their game. But at the end of the day, like Mike said, you got to just get the best talent you can, and then like just build around them. Like even RJ, RJ is gonna have holes eventually. Like you know, once you really see the full bandwidth of his game with all his full responsibilities, playing the big minutes, doing it night in and night out, you eventually see like okay, he you know maybe he doesn't become the five assist guy we hope, right? Maybe he taps out at three. All right, well, now who are we going to get that's going to help him facilitate a little bit, right? There's always going to be a question to answer for all these guys. So it's all about who's the best talent you could pair together, package together, and then what can we do around those guys? And I think that's where they got to be thinking at least the next year or so because they do got to be aggressive as a front office too. We, we can't say that they can't do nothing, but then the guys that are available, they maybe shouldn't go for. It puts us in, a, in kind of a, a conundrum too. Like so then who are we asking for? I've 100% said they can absolutely do nothing just getting rid of certain people. Like I, I, I know you said, I'm saying like, like the collective, the collective mm-hmm. Knicks fans want action. Right. But then we're like, mm, but I don't know about that guy, but not that guy, but not that guy. So it's like, well, yeah, we all want people, but then we all don't want the guys available. So then who are we asking for? That's My priority should... this offseason is direction. So it's like, you know, I feel like the Donovan Mitchell thing, that's an Avenue. And it's like, I, like I said, I, it's not the one, and I don't want anybody to get it misconstrued when I say, you know, Donovan Mitchell can stay where he's at, where I'm like, I don't like that to say, oh, we better not trade for Donovan Mitchell. Like, if we acquire Donovan Mitchell, I'm going to be happy. That's not – he's a great player. He'd be great next to RJ. Like I said, I'd get a jersey. But it's just – I'm looking at the avenues we could take. There's the Donovan Mitchell Avenue. There's that Jalen Brunson thing that just became a thing to me of, okay, we can put him next to Quick. That doesn't mean I want to do it. I prefer length on the wing next to RJ. It's just – plausible avenues where it's like what can the front office, I don't like to talk like this empty air thing of oh they need to go like what can be done this summer you can go get Donovan Mitchell if that's the thing you can do the Jalen Brunson thing you can bring everybody back and have IQ Grimes RJ Obi Mitch and let your guys grow for another year have Cam off the bench I'm excited about that reality and in those three realities Donovan Mitchell might be third on that list for me that doesn't mean I, I'd be happy with any of those outcomes so the, the front office like their job is kind of easy this year it would be really hard to piss me off uh, they've uh, they've already pissed me off. They'll still do it. They're they're gonna gonna They'll still do it. <laughs> They'll still do it. But but like in large, I'm actually with you, like on the whole pick a direction thing, because that's that's why we keep talking about all the different avenues, because there's no direction. You know what I mean? Like, they, but they've put us here the last couple of years. With it, it's been every year they've had picks the, before this season start. This past season started. The books were clear with the picks. And it was always, well, we have RJ, you know, we we have some young guys at the time. They still had, you know, Mitch and everybody else too. So it's like, well, what was the direction? Because even then it was like, are are you going all out youth or are you going to play some vets? And then it was like, well, we're going to play a bunch of one-year vets with some of the youth. Okay. Then turn into a bunch of two-year vets with some of the youth. And it's like, all right, but what else? What else? And like, they, they keep like balking on a direction. So yeah, if they actually pick a direction and it is the RJ quick OB trio route and they trot that out, like, I'm not going to say you know, to what you're saying too about the Donovan Mitchell thing. Like, I'm not going to sit here and poo-poo that because at least like, okay, you guys, you guys have picked now. And I, we, we can all wrap our heads around what's happening here. We could all finally get our answers to these guys. We could all finally see what else that those guys might possibly need or directions we can go from there. But you got to pick a route. You can't keep trying to win now, like aggressive. Like they keep pushing. They're aggressively trying to win now because of all the veterans and everything. Right. And letting Tibbs do what he wants. That's like the the narrative anyway. But then, you can't also say, well, we want to invest in the future while holding some of these young guys back, right? So you just got to pick a route. Like, really, fully, truly, it, it, it really is that simple. And, yeah. you know, I, I, mean, I just... 
just do it. Like, just fucking do it, man. It's 2022. It's April 2022. Like, I, I always say the date on all of our pods because I want to reiterate, like, how wild it's been that we've had some of these same conversations since 2017, 2018, 2019. I said, it's to say the same thing with Corbo. Okay, we've waited two years now. Now what? Three right. years now. Now what? Five years now. Now what? Like, at some point, like, you, you got to, you really just got to aggressively take a route because even like to the Grizzlies points and everything else, at least those guys, like, yeah, they had better players, but they aggressively took the route of like, we're only going to play those guys nonstop. And then it worked out because they hit on them and they, they developed them and they had better hits. Right. But they picked a route. So I, I weren't think, afraid to make trades on leading up to that. Like they didn't yeah, hold just, their load. Like you those can picks are trades. running out. You can make trades. I just want to see something there. I just want to see that's, something. That's probably my most annoying thing because in 2020, after the 2023 draft, they'll still have all their picks, but it's not the bulk picks that the they were plus. pitching. Right. This so you my, have to do something. This was my bitching and complaining the last year and a half. Right. So I was like, you have a surplus, a surplus of picks. This is a rare thing in sports to have a surplus of picks. At worst, you trade four of those picks and you end up basically having all your own picks moving forward. You could have made a trade two years ago. That trade, that era that we're, we would have been in would have been halfway over and we would have been looking to, Oh, we're about to have all of our own picks again. And yada, yada. you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, why couldn't we have done it when we had a surplus? Because now sure. There's nothing wrong with having all your own picks because that still means you have plenty of picks to work with. There's no problem here, but you blew an even more advantageous scenario. Even if you didn't make a superstar trade, you could have made trades for better impact guys. And it just seemed like being content with drafting guys who weren't home run picks aside from pretty much RJ, like, and then not really playing those guys. It, it, it to me, like it was, I've been saying bad asset management because like they hit on guys, but then they don't play them. And then I feel conflicted about what I'm supposed to say about the front office. I, I like the guys you drafted. They don't play enough. I don't know. Like, I don't know. What am I supposed to do with that? So I will say though, if we do trade for Mitchell and the defensive concerns are there, you know who I'm thinking about bringing back. Who's the best, who's the best friend of RJ Barrett and Donovan Mitchell? Say it. Come on, Kyle. You know who it is. Say his name three I, times. I, I, don't, I have uh, no idea the Frenchman you are speaking of. <laughs> I have no idea. Frank, Frank Nilakina's revenge tour, baby. <laughs> I feel like it's inevitable that it's going to come. I already know. I feel it in my bones. You know, the I feel it in my bones. There. Yeah. The common thread's there. That is the glue guy. Nick. And didn't he go back to CAA? He, he, he did. He did go back to CAA. I, I, look, I know the writing's on the Let's wall. Let's go. Wee wee. Wee wee. We're going to have to get a shit post for him now. Sign up, Jason. The hit, man.